0: This is BarkCast. You ain't but a
1: hound on, the door.
0: on each episode of BarkCast, your questions will be answered by professional, senior trainer and owner of Canine Point Academy, Russell D. Russell. Hi Russell, how's your week been here at K9 Point Academy? Yeah, it's
1: been good mate, thanks for
0: asking. Excellent, so we've had an email come in, not from Phuket. Okay. No, this one's from Dubai. A lady called Janice in Dubai. Janice has a one-year-old cocker spaniel. Okay. Janice has a problem with her cocker spaniel. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hence.
1: Hence the <laughs> Hence email who we are. to
0: us. Um, so, basically, the one-year-old Cocker Spaniel likes to chew and chase and run and chew and chase and run and run and chew and chase.
1: And that's about it.
0: Yeah, and that's about it. But apparently, um, it likes to grab socks. Okay. It grabs the socks and then Janice runs around trying to get the socks, which mm-hmm. then obviously mm-hmm. the dog loves even more. And then Janice grabs the socks and then puts uh, the Cocker Spaniel into its crate as punishment. Okay. Help.
1: Right. Okay. So two immediate things. One is we want to get away from using the crate as a punishment. Although, don't get me wrong, Janice, I completely understand where that comes from. And in terms of the chewing stuff and running around with things like socks and remote controls and God knows what else. uh, Yeah, as you just alluded to, if you engage in that behavior, you're just going to reinforce it. So let's... Break it down into
0: those two points. Then one okay. is the use of the crate, which we have done a long yep. use of crate before. But let's answer.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll, the, we'll do it. We'll do it in reverse. So we'll start with the, the the chasing and grabbing stuff.
0: Okay, let's start with the chasing and grabbing yeah. stuff first, and then you can talk about the crate. Cool. So the before though, Russell cocker spaniels. What, what's your views on cocker spaniels?
1: Uh, no, lovely dogs. Um, good hassle dogs. Good family dogs. Um, usually good fun. Fair amount of drive quite playful, as I think Janice is is discovering. Um, One of the questions I often get asked is, why does my dog like chewing the expensive stuff and not the toys that I provide for the dog? And there's usually a very simple answer to that, which is if the dog goes and picks up your socks, your phone, your uh, charging cable or a shoe, basically anything of yours, You're going to engage and say, no, 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 puppy, stop, stop, stop. Give me that back. Whereas if the puppy was chewing or the dog was chewing its own toy, its rubber shoe bone or its Kong toy or, or whatever, you wouldn't do anything because the dog's doing what I want it to do so I can carry on doing my thing. So if you freeze frame that snapshot, the dog doesn't understand that bone is a toy and that shoe is not a toy. It's an expensive thing that matters to you. It's just stuff. Everything that the dog can pick up is just stuff. So what matters is how much energy and attention we apply to those different bits of stuff. So if you apply all of that energy and attention to the socks, the shoes, etc., the dog is going to think, oh, if I go and pick up that particular toy, you'll come and play with me much more often. Because let's face it, playing chase around the house is tremendous fun. So they'll just keep doing it. And then the more you keep sort of saying, no, no, stop, 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 stop. It just manifests. And if you do nothing when they're actually engaging with their toys, well, that's, yeah, I, in the moment they might be enjoying it. But there's no real drive to want to get hold of it.
0: But Russell, my Louis Vuitton slippers. Yeah, the, I can see you in a pair of them. <laughs> the, thank you very much. The <laughs> copper, which is now its name Mm -hmm. because Janice didn't give the name of the dog next time give the name of the dog please Janice. anyway (laughs) copper is grab my Louis Vuitton slipper I'm gonna take your advice and say oh I'm gonna do nothing that slipper's gone
1: yeah no absolutely so there's in terms of just understanding that the how and the why that's why they tend to target the really nice Louis Vuitton slippers because a they have access to it which I'll come on to in a second and b it's just it's reinforced we drive attention to it so a couple of things number one uh, there's management and there's training, which we have discussed previously on the podcast. The management is pick things up, put them away, which I know sounds really daft and really silly and ultimately really easy. Um, and like you often get this with, you know, the dogs are always train the kids toys. It's like, yeah, if just pick them up, put them away. How hard can that be? Right. Stuff gets left out. That's that's life. Can I just say, as it's, a parent, no, uh, yeah, yeah. Right? it is <laughs> there was quite a, hard. There was, a, there was a slight element of sarcasm It was said. quite yeah.
0: hard to pick everything up, yeah, yeah. trust me. No,
1: I can imagine. Come to my
0: house and walk yeah. around. It's like a death trap.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which means there's just loads more stuff for your dog lying around to kind of get hold of. So where possible, I want to manage what I can. So if I can, remember to close the door. I can remember to put my Louis Vuitton slippers in a shelf or or, or somewhere that is going to help you. The, the other side of that is to actually train our dogs to be around it. So, and for that, again, we've discussed ad nauseum on the podcast about having the dogs on leash, even in the house. So I've got an element of control, but there's two sides to it. One is if you're physically connected to the dog, i.e. you're holding the other end of the leash, you're that much more aware of what's going on because you're, physically holding something. So I can now prevent my dog from going over there to pick up my slippers or over there to chew a phone cable. He's stuck kind of with me whilst I'm sat here. So number two, because your dog can't go anywhere, you can be the one to provide, hey, have this toy, have that toy, have this chewy bone and what have you. So now my dog is lying here. He can't go off and do something else. So he's more likely to say, oh, to hell with it, I'll just chew this toy here. But I can now engage and reward my dog on top of that Give my dog attention. You're the best dog in the world. Here, have a fuss. Have a treat. Let me play two and a half nanoseconds of tug with you. Ra rah, rah. Oh, well done. Good boy. Go back to doing a toy. I'll go back to doing what I was doing.
0: Which is great if you're in the house. Yes. And you're in the same room.
1: And we're going to come back to that later when we deal about um, using crates and what have you. Fair enough. So um, to, in terms of I can now walk around the house with my dog. I can have them on leash. I can, if I can see them darting off to go towards my slippers, I can say, hey, rover, tell you what, don't do that. Come back to me and I can make that happen now because I've got the leash and I can redirect them to something else. So rather than me kind of going, no, no, bad dog, get in your crate, you're the worst dog ever. I can show them, hey, engaging with me, working with me, playing with this particular thing, i.e. dog toy, is a really rewarding thing and the more I chew on this, the more it gets your attention and you'll come and play with me.
0: Every listener... Is now nodding when you're going? No, no, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how their life is. Sure. Their life is not. Come here. Here's my lead. There, you go. Oh, well done, Rover. I mean, we just had the example. We're sat here yeah, yeah. recording this. Yeah. And um, Bree mm-hmm. can't get on the sofa.
1: Yeah. I mean, he really wants to. Bless him. No, he <laughs> really, really wants to. Yeah.
0: And I wish we had a camera yeah. to show what <laughs> yeah. just happened. Yeah. Um. But you, you, you know, you took a minute. You calmed it, and, and then you sat him down. And you yeah. you're, you're, you're there. Mm-hmm. You're a professional dog trainer many of our listeners aren't. Janice isn't a professional dog trainer. And I know that you always make it out so it's so easy. So, so what are the, s- the small steps that she's going to have to take before we hit the crate stuff? Sure. The,
1: the small immediate ones is A, manage what you can manage, which means putting things away. Uh, and particularly, did she mention how old the dog is? Did she say a year? Or if I just made it out? It's a up? year, okay. yeah. Um, so she's, I'm guessing the dog has a year's worth of reward history for doing these behaviours. Right, I'm guessing this isn't something that just started yesterday. No, it's not. No, <laughs> right. it's not. And
0: I actually spoke to Janice about it because I sent an email back to try to get okay. a bit more information. And this has been going on since she's had the sure. dog.
1: Sure, and in, and the way it usually happens is, and Janice, forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn, but when we first get the puppy, it's amazingly good fun. It's so cute, and you know, we play chase and we reward all these behaviours. And then after a few sort of days, weeks, months, it starts to get a bit old and now we're getting a bit stressed about it. But the dog doesn't understand, oh, I was just a puppy and it was fun, but I'm not actually allowed to do this. You've just spent days, weeks and months telling the puppy, this is absolutely 100% what we do and how we operate. You've made it fun. You've made it the, the, the reality. And now you're trying to backtrack. So it's not that you can't undo all of that. You can. You have just got to be very consistent about it. And if you're only engaging with the dog in the moment where they're doing the thing you don't want them to do, you really are setting yourself up to fail. And this is where, and we touched on at the beginning, this is where I understand the frustration of owners. Like, Oh, I just can't deal with it anymore. Put the dog in the crate. Because on one hand, yeah, that's a management process. That solves the problem. If the dog's in the crate, they can't get to my shoes. Management deals with a scenario and it, it manages it, it prevents stuff from happening. But putting your dog in the crate doesn't teach your dog to do something different. And that's that's the bridge you need to gap, otherwise you're not gonna kind of get anywhere. And equally, if you're only ever using the crate in that moment where a, you're frustrated, you're just driving the wrong message to your dog, right? Because they're not connecting, oh, mom's upset because I chewed her shoes. The dog's kind of confusing. Well, you like it when we play this kind of game. I don't understand why you're so mad and upset. And No, oh, now I'm going in this crate. and I don't like it in here and it's frustrating. And then the dog's barking and whining and we're telling the dog to shut up and oh, it won't be quiet and it just snowballs. And the dog has absolutely no idea what you want. It doesn't understand what you're trying to say or trying to do. And because it doesn't understand you, it's going to do its own thing. And invariably, when the dog starts doing its own thing, that ain't going to be what you want. And hence, we're just into that snowball effect of it just kind of getting worse
0: and most owners like you said not, no not most owners because there are some um, owners out there that do put the time and the effort in but there are many that just want to have this dog and yeah. they will when it's naughty
1: mm-hmm.
0: pump it on the nose and yeah. that does happen they knock it on the nose and say get in the crate because you're a bad dog
1: yeah and i think the the vast majority of dog owners are great people great dog owners i would say a lot of them go into this with the, I almost want to say an, an understanding, or a I mean, particularly parents, if you've got small children, two-legged ones, and you go and get a four-legged one, there's almost this understanding it should be the same thing. But it's not. I can't explain to a dog what I can explain to a small child. And don't ask me what I can explain to a small child, because that's a very short debate. Um, but in terms of the dog has a completely different way of working. See, the way dogs learn and the way humans and kids learn there's an element of crossover yes but it's different so i can't treat my dog the same way i'm going to treat the child and i think a lot of own, a lot of dog owners fall into that particular trap so you know you know child goes to stick its finger in a plug socket we kind of go no stop 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 don't do that because it's really dangerous and you'll hurt yourself and the kid's like oh okay fine i can't do that with a dog not that my dog's going to stick its paw in a socket because let's face it dogs aren't stupid
0: I'm not sure all children are stupid, <laughs> Russ. I think you need to be. Need to be a little bit careful there. Yeah. Allegedly, some Alleg- are. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Okay. Let me give you a scenario to see if you can answer this. So, Copper mm-hmm. has got oh an- the
1: dog. I thought you meant the police were involved. No,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> the old Bill, aren't um, <laughs> Copper has grabbed my Louis Vuitton slippers. Can I just say I don't have Louis Vuitton. I don't have slippers. can
1: I just say. I reckon you'd suit them.
0: Fluffy ones, though. Um, has grabbed my Louis Vuitton slippers mm-hmm. I'm going copper no 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 copper's going oh this is fun this is fun, this is fun. <laughs> oh he's chasing me Jay's chasing me around I grab I get the slipper and obviously there's going to be some sort of tug, tug of war tug yep. of war going on I get the slipper no copper a little bop on the nose rightly or wrongly we'll get to that argument mm-hmm. another day and then I put it in the crate Okay, but now- and say so get in the crate you're a bad dog
1: what should I do why would you put the slipper in the crate <laughs>
0: Anyway, listen, I'm the humorous one in this yeah, double act, you, no, okay? T-
1: to be honest, you've put a really good scenario together then. Thanks. So th- Let's unpack that from the get-go. So number one, my, the dog's got my slipper, and I've been taking your advice, Russell. I've been working with my dog. I've had this dog on leash sometimes. We've been calling him back and, and, and all of that. But right now, he's got my new shoes in his mouth, and he's running around. What do I do now?
0: That was the question.
1: Yeah. So on that level, if you've spent time... Working with the puppy and, you know, sometime not a huge amount, just some element of working with the dog. The benefit of doing it is I can say, hey, Copper, come here, buddy. He comes to me. He has a big fast and gets a treat and goes off again. He's chewing his toy. Hey, Copper, over here, buddy. Yay. We can make it fun. We can make it engaging because we don't care. We're not invested in this moment because it's not doing anything that we're worried about so I can make coming to me fun and it leads to more fun, i.e. treats, fusses, going back to my toy. So when Copper's got another toy in his mouth, just so it happens to be your fluffy Louis Vuitton slippers, and I go, hey, Copper, over here, buddy, good boy, like I've been doing all day, I was doing all of yesterday and all the day before, to him, it's the same thing. So he's more likely to either A, drop the, sh- the slipper and come running to you for the treats and fusses that he always gets, Or he's going to bring it to you, which either way is a good thing because the dog has now come to you when you've asked him to. That's the first part. How do I get him to let go of the shoe if he's still carrying my fluffy slipper? Now, you're right. As you made the point, I grab hold of it and we now play this tug of war and I try and rip it away. One of the reasons why dogs won't let go of things or won't bring them to you and drop them for you is they've learned that every time we play this game of tug I lose because all you're ever trying to do is take something away and you end the game so why would I want to give this to you so if we backtrack a little bit into our training routine of getting the rover to come to me and giving him fuss and treats and and all of that now I can add in hey copper come to me yeah good boy I can whether he's got the toy or not I can give him give him a toy I can play a bit of tug and I'll play tug for about two and a half seconds and I'll drop it I'll let the dog win Oh, you can't let the dog win at target. Teach them to be aggressive is complete. Insert beeps here. Let the dog win. And then grab the toy, play again. Oh, oh you're so strong, copper. Let him have the toy. So he wins a few times. Because now he's thinking, well, I like this game because we keep playing it and I can win. But he's just won my slipper. Your slipper isn't part of this equation yet. We're still oh, okay. in this sort little. Of, this is why we have to work the, the process. Because A, you don't care about whether the dog's letting go of the toy or not. So you're more inclined to invest... Calm time awareness into this particular scenario, rather than stressing over it. All right. So, and I can show him, hey, B, hey, if you let go of this, B, I can give you a treat. So he drops the toy, he gets a treat, he gets a fuss, and bonus, I get the toy back, and we can play tug again. And I can offer him a treat. He drops the toy, he gets the treat. Oh, fantastic! If I, from the dog's mind, if I bring this thing to you and I drop it, I get a treat. That's an absolute result. So. Fast forward now to he's got my slipper. I can be a bit come. Oh, hey, copper over here, buddy. Like we've been practicing. He brings it to me. I can hold it. Maybe now ask him to out because he knows if I let go of this, I'm going to get the treat. Oh, I don't have a treat on me, but he doesn't know that. You and sneak. now I can get my slipper and give him a fuss. No, wait, And wait. if I wanted to feel better about myself, I could go off and get myself a treat and come back and give it to him. Don't worry about marking the moment. But in terms of the process... He's now learning that bringing these things to you is rewarding and fun. And at that stage, rather than saying, I'm going to bop the dog on the nose and put him in his crate, I'm going to slap myself in the back of the head with the slipper and ask myself, why did I leave this out and about for the dog to go and pick up?
0: It's all a bit slobbery, though, on the back of your head. That's <laughs> the only downside. The, the, I don't think there it, is coppers that. The coppers, spaniels aren't that slobbery, are they? But I guess if it's been his mouth for the amount of time that Janice has been chasing it. There, there is that, yeah.
1: <laughs> Dubai, hot climate. So.
0: Cool. So we've got the slipper back. We've mm-hmm. talked about no bopping on the nose. Hit yourself around the head with a wet slipper. Crate. Just touch on the crate as punishment, just quickly for me.
1: Don't do it. There you go. That's quick. Um, I wouldn't use the, the crate as a punishment tool. If you want to argue the fine line difference between a management versus punishment knock yourself out but in terms of i would use the crate more sporadically i.e even in a situation where i don't necessarily need to use it so my dog is sort of just chilling out chewing its toy or having a snooze and what have you i'll put him in his crate for 10 minutes while i carry on doing what i'm doing and later on in the afternoon or the day whatever i'll put the dog in and out of the crate every now and again for a short burst of time so going in and out of the crate just becomes part of the normal routine so in that moment where you, I don't have the time to invest in the dog, there's the kids are out playing and there's stuff everywhere. And I, I just don't have the bandwidth to work the dog right now. I'm going to put him in his crate. But I can now make that crate a fun, rewarding thing for the dog. Now, why should I be more concerned about that than it being a punishment thing? Because A, when you use it as a punishment, the dog doesn't understand it's done something wrong. So when it comes out, it can do something right. It doesn't work like that. So you putting the dog in the box, as it were, if you want to make that fun and rewarding, so the dog knows going into this thing, this is my safe space, this is my fun place, this is just where I chill out and chew my toys and hang for a while.
0: Or chew the slipper.
1: Or chew the slipper, if you've been silly enough to leave that in there
0: with me. We've done a whole um, cast on, on crate crates, yeah. so I think it's important that yeah. Janish could go and listen to yeah. that one as well. I, I don't
1: have an issue with using crates or even just a, like a playpen area. Like Again, we spoke about having kids before. You can have a, a playpen area set up so it doesn't have to necessarily be a crate, it's just an area where the dog is relatively confined. So they can't get into trouble because the stuff that's in there is what I want them to have and they can't get out to get to the stuff that I don't want them to have. Management. And that Which is strict management. It works, but don't don't rely purely on the management side of things because you will come unstuck one day. And if you haven't done the training side of things, then you're, it's just not going to get better on its own. Cool. You want to summarize all that? Uh, yeah, very quickly. Again, I would... Go back to just having the dog on leash for a little bit, even in the house and more often than not in terms of how long do I do it for so that you have that control. If you have the control, you can work the process. If you can work the process, you can show the dog an alternative way of doing things. And you can do it when you're much calmer, when you don't particularly care about outcomes, so you're not stressed and you can make it fun and rewarding. If you only work with the dog when he's got your fluffy Louis Vuitton slippers, You have to deal with that, otherwise it's going to end badly, which means you're only going to reinforce the behaviour that he's doing. You have to do the back-end work to change and give him an alternative path. Cool. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Cheers,
0: mate. Bye. If you're looking for professional training or somewhere to board your dog, either short or long-term, then check out Canine Point Academy. That's caninepointacademy.com or go to Facebook and search Canine Point Academy.
1: SharkCast was created and produced by Shark 13 Productions. If you are looking to start a podcast or would like to learn more about how a podcast can work alongside your current marketing plans, then contact us now at jshark shark13productions.com.